yeah, I mean, I think there's some key questions that are going to change the trajectory of your relationship with your child moving forward as they prepare to launch to college, to trade school, to jobs, to Peace Corps, to Army, military, whatever they're going to do, is the first question is, is like, ask them what their expectations are for this next portion of their life. What do you expect? What are you hoping for? And how are you going to cope if your expectations don't automatically come to fruition? Hey there, I'm Amy Connell. Welcome to Graced Health, the podcast for women who want simple and grace-filled ways to take care of themselves and enjoy a little chocolate as well. I'm a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach who wants you to know your eating, movement, and body don't have to be perfect. You just need to be able to do what you're called to do. If you have a child who is launching this year, so that means going to college, going to trade school, going to the military, going to just get a job, um, you know, this is all part of the launching process, or maybe in the next few years, pull out your notes and get ready. My guest today, Connecticut-based licensed clinical social worker, Alyssa Costello, brings applicable tools, resources, and just provides wonderful direction for parents who are getting ready to send their child off into their next chapter. At one point, I told her I could just feel my shoulders relaxing about the whole process as I'm sending my firstborn off into the world in a year. And then she just has such beautiful words of encouragement that I I got tears in my eyes, I have to admit. Now, before we get to Alyssa and my conversation with her, I do want to remind you about the resources page over at gracedhealth.com slash resources. Whether you're looking for food, fitness, or faith-based support, I have you covered. You'll find a 14-day devotional, on-the-go protein-powered breakfasts, how to enjoy shame-free health by breaking eight rules, and my latest workout offering, squat-free strong legs. Again, that's at gracedhealth.com slash resources. Okay, let's bring on Alyssa. Alyssa, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled you're here. And I'm just, actually, I'm literally getting chills as I'm I'm getting excited for this conversation. (laughs) We are sitting here and uh, this is airing in mid-August. And we have a lot of transitions going on. Throughout the country, we've got kids going back to school, we have people going back to work, and a lot of my community is launching their kids um, either out of the house, either they're going to, to college, maybe they're not going to college, and they're starting their own path, and that just drums up a whole lot of a uh, lot of lot of different feelings <laughs> for parents and for um, women. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. I want to start a little bit with um, if you can help educate me because I've seen this. Um, you are a licensed clinical social worker. Yes. Uh, probably the most famous licensed clinical social worker is Brene Brown. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, so we're all familiar with that. Um, what is the difference between that and a licensed professional counselor? So a licensed clinical social worker practices a more general and generalized perspective. Um, They'll learn different aspects of 
the social justice system, the social system at large. Um, and licensed clinical social workers end up being able to practice in a, a larger scope where licensed professional counselors, the majority of their education is on counseling techniques. So they're, the job opportunities for them are mostly focused in counseling roles, whereas social workers could be child protective service workers, they could be in schools, they could be in hospitals. Um, and not that LPCs can't be, it's just the opportunities are more therapy focused. Got it. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up for me. And yeah. I would love to know what drew you into this field. Yeah. So I actually knew from a long time, like from a young age that I wanted to be a social worker. My aunt, um, she used to work for the Humane Society and she worked in community health centers. And I was like always fascinated how the community reacted towards her presence. She was a well-known figure in her community. And it was mostly just because she showed up and was authentic and loved her community and loved to serve in that way. And so that really inspired me. Oh, that's great. That's great. Was she, is she still with you or was she able to see you kind of follow in her footsteps? Unfortunately, she passed before I went to college, but I believe that she sees me and, and knows what I'm doing. Absolutely. She's living on through your work. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that is super cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, okay, let's dig in because I have a lot of questions for you. Sure. You know, <laughs> so we're sitting here, you know, we're about to launch our kids, and I kind of want to structure our conversation into three different focuses. One is before. So these may maybe this is even uh the moms who have children who are going to be launching in the next year or two or three, because um, you know, obviously preparation for anything is important. The second is during or after launch, you know, like right when they get to college, when they get into their own apartment, and then when, like, you know, we'll get into that. <laughs> so let's start with before. We're sitting here, our kids are getting ready to leave. What kinds of conversations should we be having before they even leave home? Yeah, so I mean, I think this is, this is the foundation. This is your opportunity to build the relationship you want to have with your kids in this next season of life. It starts before. And so I think building the bridge to communication. So you're going from the, you're going from the parent and younger child teenage stage to the point where your child starts seeing you as human and starts seeing you in a more friendship kind of role. And that is the most sticky tricky situation that has ever lived you know because we want so badly to stay in our comfort zone and our comfort zone in this role is to be like I'm your parent you're my child I'm mama bear you're baby bear and so when you build that communication to being like there is no judgment you can come to me with anything you are allowing the door to be open for the rest of their life. What you do in this moment now, if you just let them come to you and you let them vent, that is pivotal because then they know no matter what, I can come to you and you can come to me 
and we can be honest. I think the other conversation that are important now is to talk about mental health. We are in such a place in the world where mental health is prevalent in almost every person, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's just feeling overwhelmed with academics. I think placing the emphasis on saying, if you're struggling and you need somebody else other than me, come to me. Let me know. I want to be that person for you, but if it needs to be somebody else, we're open to that. That's really good. I'm curious, do you feel like it's effective to um, to share our own mental health struggles with our kids? Because I know that there's this point of like, you know, you, you don't want to – you want to be vulnerable and you want to share, but at the same time, you don't, if, if you haven't kind of figured, like, I don't want to say resolved because I know it's not resolved, but you don't want to take your, your crap and dump it on the kid for lack of a better word. So, um, I mean, do you think that that's an effective thing to, to start talking about? Yeah. I think as they get older and like I said, as you're kind of transitioning from this, like, I need to protect you from the world versus like I want to walk alongside of you in the world that vulnerability and saying like I struggle too and I'm not going to judge you for it and I can under and you might go through things that your kids go through too and I think letting them see you as human helps them relate to you more when they because for so long children see their parents as this higher power and at some point in their life, they're going to become reciprocal because they'll either become parents or they'll just be really well-rounded adults. And so if you hide from them that you struggle with your mental health, you're almost doing them a disservice because then it hits them and they experience it and they almost feel like, wow, like what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? And nobody else in my family ever has or ever has talked about it. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. You you talked also about a um, bridge to communication and uh, speak to the mom who tries really hard to communicate with their kid, but he or she just doesn't want to open up. You know, they all have different personalities. Some of them will spill their guts and some of them will hide that so tightly and it's really hard I mean, that's a whole nother conversation I recognize. <laughs> um, but how, what are, do you have any suggestions on how we can go about trying to bridge that when we feel like it's a one-way street? Yeah, for sure. And I think so many parents feel that way. Um, my, always my number one piece of advice for that is meet your child where they're at, right? Do things within their comfort zone. So if you have a more reserved kid, you know, it might just be like you you see them having a hard day and they're lounging on the couch, like hop on the couch with them, hop in the chair next to them. Your presence is enough. And I think many parents get defeated and say, you know, if they're not going to open up, I'm helicoptering them. I'm trying to force them to do something they don't want. But the point is, is that kids always need their parents, no matter what season of life they're in. They need you and they might not show it in the way that you can receive it and vice versa, but they need you and they want you. They just want you to meet them where they're at. 
I felt, I literally felt my shoulders relax when you said your presence is enough. That is perhaps the most grace giving statement. I think we can, you can give my, um, my community. Thank you for that. That's, that's really great advice. Cause it is, it's, um, it can, it can be hard. I mean, I, you know, I'm a mom of two, I've got friends who are moms and, and this, as they say, the struggle is real, definitely with the, with the introverts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you have any suggestions on how to prepare for a successful launch? And I, I think I'm afraid I'm going to use that word a lot, but I want to be cognizant of everybody's individual paths and not everybody goes to college and that is just fine. Um, but when they leave it, that's a launch. So that's kind of under that entire umbrella. Uh, how can we set the stage for, for a successful one? Yeah. I mean, I think there's some key questions that are going to change the trajectory of your relationship with your child moving forward as they prepare to launch to college, to trade school, to jobs, to Peace Corps, to Army, military, whatever they're going to do, is the first question is, is like, ask them what their expectations are for this next portion of their life. What do you expect? What are you hoping for? And how are you going to cope if your expectations don't automatically come to fruition? That is genius. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really great. And I have to imagine that that's going to open the door. Um, and then I'm and I'm just kind of going through my head. So I can, I can see a scenario where maybe someone asks their introverted kid, well, what are your expectations? And they say, oh, I don't know. And then so if that's the answer, then what do we do? Yeah. I mean, I think, again, if you have an introverted kid, that question might be daunting. And so maybe it's not what your expectation is, but what are you most looking forward to? What is something that you feel like what motivates you to even enter this next stage of your life? Because introverted kids, you know, they still have motivation. They're just not so expressive with their motivation. But internally, they feel passionate maybe they're introverted but super intelligent and are more academic focused so they're like I can't wait to try all these new classes maybe Mm -hmm. they're introverted and they're like I'm ready to become more extroverted so like I'm excited to have the opportunity to redefine myself and make new friends yeah that um that makes a lot of sense um Yeah. And not, so not to get all focused on the introverted, but I just, I think that this, the conversations I'm having at least with, with parents is there's on our side, the mama side, there's just more anxiety in general about that. But I think to your point, there are are a lot of kids who go off and they're like, you know what, I'm going to kind of redefine myself, or this is my opportunity to break out of whatever the expectation was for me in high school. And I'm, I'm going to be a little different. I'm curious how you've noticed COVID changing the landscape of all of this, because some of us have kids who were in enrolled in college and participating in it, but they were online and maybe even doing it from home. And so what, what kind of additional challenges are you uh, expecting to see as we enter into this new phase? I actually think mental health might be better. I think it's, you know, 
You spend four years in high school preparing for this moment, preparing for this next season. And then in a moment, it's taken away from you. So many seniors didn't get the proper graduation or the proper endings to one milestone before they enter another. And that stirs up so many feelings because none of us like things that are unfinished. We always want that completion. We always want to feel fulfilled in what we do. And so being at home, right, and having college classes online and your friends also have to do that, it's not like there's enough free time. The same academic demands are expected of you, whether you're on campus or off campus. And the huge part of that you're missing is the social component. And that's what balances kids out in college is the academic, a healthy academic portion, but the social component of college for your mental health, at least, is almost more important. Yeah. And I think, too, there's been a lot more discussion and maybe it's just, you know, who you're um, who you're paying attention to. But yeah. I do think that there has been more discussion surrounding just mental health in general. I mean, I keep hearing across the board and you can speak to this, but but mental health professionals are booked. I mean, like absolutely out of like no capacity because people are recognizing the need to add that component into their overall health. Yeah. At my, at my practice, we've had to hire three more therapists in the, even in the last month because everybody's full. Wow. Wow. That's a great problem though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'll take it any day. That's a great problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. Because people are definitely paying more attention to that. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about before. Now we've got our kids off. Um, They are in the, and by the way, thank you for naming all of those different opportunities for kids to be uh, what they might be doing. I think that that's a really great summary uh, of that. So, but they're off doing whatever they're doing. What are some of the common mental health challenges that young adults face when they leave um, home or uh, for the first time? Yeah, I think I've been able to break it up into three different categories. So you have like time management and life skills. They go to hand in hand. And then you have anxiety and then you have depression. And I think all three of those are the most common things that incoming freshmen, and, you know, even throughout the college experience, experience, um, with time management, you know, they're used to having mom and dad and teachers holding them accountable, reminding them, did you pack this? Did you finish your homework? Did you put this in your planner? Are you on top of this project? Did you write that paper? And in college, they're kind of on their own. You really have to manage your time and the professors and, you know, tutors are available to them, but they have to show that initiative to reach out, which then transitions into anxiety and not feeling confident enough to reach out for help. And in many ways, just kind of pushing yourself and pushing yourself until your anxiety gets the best of you and you freeze, which then leads into depression where you're disappointed in yourself because you're not performing or not doing what you think you should be doing or performing how you think you should perform or how you're used to performing. 
That's really great. Time, time management. Yeah, that's a serious, that's a serious challenge, anxiety and depression. So we have our kids, they're off and we're trying to keep a pulse on this. What are some of the ways that you recommend us keeping in contact with that? I mean, how, how can we do that? Because I I know a lot of moms are like, I need to get my eyeballs on my kid. And maybe it's something like this or FaceTime, but you know, you, there's a lot of things that you can gloss over, over texts, uh, or it might be that they can open up a little bit more. So I would love to hear some suggestions and uh, maybe tools or resources that you might uh, offer to the moms to help, to help connect and that Mm -hmm. they might be able to give their kids um, as a resource as well. Yeah. And I think it kind of goes back to the earlier part of our conversation and how you can prepare them before they launch and just getting them familiar with using the calendar on their iPhones or their Androids or whatever kind of phone they have. Using your calendar app on your phone is a great way to keep yourself organized because it provides you with reminders a day before, a week before, minutes before, and they carry their phones like it's an extra part of their body. So if they're doing that already, that's a non-invasive, non-hovering tool to teach them. And you start with simple things over the summer while they're home, right? Family parties, doctor's appointments, things like that. Having them take the initiative to book them, to put them in their phones, and to follow through. And yeah, it might be a struggle to begin with because they're so used to you guys doing it for them, but they're going to thank you when they get to school because it's going to be more natural. They're going to know how to use it. They're going to remember how effective it was for them to do that and follow through. So I think that really helps, and it's a non-invasive way. And there's ways for you to connect your phones, your phone calendars to each other's, And so you can always kind of peek and see if they're utilizing it and remind them when you're talking to them and you're checking in with them during the week. Hey, just remember what we practiced during the summer. We practiced using the calendar. I think it would be really good if you're feeling overwhelmed to just take some time and put that in your calendar. That's a great idea. Yeah. One thing I started doing mostly because I got tired of saying like, what are we doing? Or when is this? I, I have in my phone, I mean, just like my Apple, uh, I have all kinds of different calendars. And one of them is the family calendar. And so I'll put doctor's appointments in and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I, I have been trying to encourage them like, I can't even, you know, like, oh, well, I don't, I can't think of an example, but well, what does it say on the family calendar and making them at least go back and look at that, uh, even though I, I might know the answer, but you think about you're normally sending your child to school around 17 or 18. And at some point the doctor's offices won't talk to you guys anymore. So it really does end up falling on them. What might be some good ways uh, to communicate with our kids, particularly the ones who have a hard time opening up uh, if they don't want to, you know, Sometimes, I mean, it's the car rides don't work. You know, they always say talking to your kids in the car, the walks don't work, you know, and now they're a thousand miles away from home or mm-hmm. 50 miles away from home, but they're still not living under your roof. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are some, what are some good ways that you might recommend that we, we help encourage that communication? I always kind of do this three, two, one kind of rule. 
So text your child at least three times a week to check in, to say hello. Text is their love language. They're going to respond. Two times a week, I would call by phone. If it's five minutes, ten minutes, two minutes, whatever, call them. Remind them that you still want to hear their voice. And one time a week, try to FaceTime, try to Zoom. There's this great app called House Party that I found during quarantine. Um, and it allows like numerous people to get into a group on FaceTime, but play games. You play Trivial Pursuit. You can play, they have all these different kinds of things. And it lets those kids who are not normally comfortable just FaceTiming and talking, it gets them involved. It's like, okay, we're going to do family trivia night on house party for a half hour on Sunday. Make sure you join us. And it warms them up and it makes them involved in a different way. And you know your kids best. You can, by seeing them on video, you can see their verbal and their nonverbal communication. And that helps so much to relieve and ease your heart. That's brilliant. Three, two, one, three times a week to text, two times call and one time FaceTime. That's really great. And I think that's great guidance to, you know, we all grew up with different levels of communication with our families. And uh, for those of us who maybe don't have the habit of reaching out when someone's gone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was the kid who went off to, to some sort of like cheer camp or something like that going into my freshman year of high school. And I just, I was like, okay, I'm fine. I was 30 miles away. And, you know, my mom, like, (laughs) I think she ended up telling my roommate's mom to tell my roommate, like, hey, call your mom. (laughs) Your family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So the other thing that I really expect um, a, a lot of parents to, to be dealing with is this tension of my kids are gone. I, uh, I want to let them fly. Like we, this was, this is what we have been raising them up to do, right? Like is to go off on their own life and on their own life. And so in our head, we, we know that we want them to do that, but our heart does not want to let them fall too far. And maybe we all have our different levels of comfort with like how far how far they can fall but nobody wants their kid to fall too far so do you have any um rec- areas of recommendation on like a balance of being hands free versus catching them i think going back to the face times reading that nonverbal and verbal communication is so important i also think when you're moving your child in to college or if they're going to a new job, providing them with the resources that if you're on campus, letting them know from the start, where's the college counseling center? Letting them know that if they have a problem, this is here and it's available to you. Mm-hmm. And we're paying tuition for it anyway. So, you know, you might as yeah. well go. It's the only time really in your life that you probably can go to therapy for free. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, so util- utilizing that. And if your child is going into the workforce or to the army, I mean, or the military, the military has their own ways of going about getting mental health. And that has improved dramatically over the years. 
But in the workforce, I think just reminding your children of resources. One thing I love, I I saw this family whose child was, one was going into the military, they had triplets. One was going to the military, one was going to college, and one was going straight to the workforce. And what the mom did was researched the area and made a little binder and said, put this on your shelf, put this somewhere, wherever you want to put it. But here are some local resources. She put the fire department. She put psychology today and some um, like therapists in the areas. She put where the local urgent care was and things like that. And it's just kind of like mom's love letter to like surviving this next season. Instead of her having to say, well, did you find a doctor? Did you do this? It's kind of like, I've done the prep work for you. And it will ease my heart to know that you have it and you can look at it whenever you need to. Yeah, that's a that's great advice. You know what that reminds me of is I, I'm one of the things that's important to me is for my kids to have like produce and their fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. They, they don't always eat it. But I one of the things that I have decided is. I will, I will prep, like I'll just cut a bunch of veggies up and I just put them in a thing and they're there. And I have a joke um, (laughs) from a story that I I attribute it to my mom, but basically she said, if you cut it, they will come. Yeah. (laughs) And, And so at least putting it out there and they are a million times more likely to grab, at least one of them is, to grab those vegetables or those fruits that are prepped if yeah. they're there. And so what what I'm hearing you say is just like you cut the veggies or you prep the fruit, make the binder and at least give it to them and it'll be a lot easier for them to take that step and and yes. and utilize that. Absolutely, so, yes. That's a really great idea. Okay, so let's move into the win because um I mean, obviously ideally we don't have a situation of when someone struggles from depression or anxiety uh, or anything else, but, but it does happen. And one thing that I am loving is we're at least more aware of it. I feel like when I went to college, there wasn't any, I mean, I went, I entered college in 1993. So there wasn't any conversation about this. I mean, someone was just in a bad mood or they were just sad. Uh, And now we're at least a little bit more aware of this, but when they do struggle, then what? I think it's kind of like when they're struggling, it's kind of reminding yourself, like, I can do with with, what is within my control. I can have that bridge to communication. I can guide them to the college guidance counselor or whatever they're called, the counselors. And I can always remind them that my door is open and that if they need a break, we can figure something out. I think sometimes kids go to college And think like, I have to stay here. I have to do my best. I have to stay. No matter what is going on, I am like committed 100%. And that's a lot of pressure because some kids feel homesick and they want to come home for the weekend. And it is 10 times harder if they're across the country. But reminding them that this, like going to school is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that it doesn't define their worth and that they are so much more than how they perform in school. And that above everything else, you care about them and their well-being. And I think if that is 
reiterated from the time they start thinking about college and leaving home or whatever opportunities they're going to engage in, if that is always the precedent that's set, you're going to notice that they are always going to be more willing and open to tell you what's wrong because they don't feel that pressure. Yeah, that's great advice. I heard a statistic one time, don't quote me on this, but it was something like 30% of people um, if who go to college end up transferring and going somewhere Absolutely. else. And we don't have that. I mean, I'm in the, I'm in the phase right now of anytime anyone sees my my senior high school senior, well, where are you going mm-hmm. to college or, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. And they get locked into that. And what I, what I love you saying is reminding them that this is not their identity. This is not who they are. It's something that they are doing and that can change. I mean, just like, you know, we move, we move houses, we move cities. We can also move or change whatever it is that we're doing or even get to college and say, you know what, this, maybe this isn't the right path for me or, gosh, I didn't go to college and now I wish I did or you know, yeah. whatever, whatever that is. That is yeah. so great. Wow. Alyssa, you have, um, you, this is, you have provided so much really good information. Do you have any final thoughts or advice, um, for the mamas who are kind of holding their breath a little bit? Yeah, I, I think have grace for yourself, you know, like give yourself grace. You have gotten your child this far you're going to get them through. Um, I think, you know, engage in self-care and take this time as an opportunity for you to grow alongside your kids. You know, take this time to go to therapy if you're struggling. Take this time to learn a new skill, to volunteer your time, to do whatever fills your cup. But this time is just as stressful for you as it is for them. And I think often we focus so much on them and their transitions and just making sure that they're okay, that we forget that you matter too. And they need you to be in your, your best. They need you to be your best self. They need you to take care of yourself and to find your purpose other than just being their moms. That brought tears to my eyes. That's so true. And we do and we forget and we get so I've seen a lot of people who have gotten their, you know, first child or their last child off and they're like, oh my gosh. And it's just, you don't even know what to do with yourself. Yeah. I, I've I've seen that a lot. So I can, compl- I really, really appreciate those words. I, I remember reading or hearing somewhere, it was probably on a podcast because that's where I get all of my information, but someone made the suggestion one time that when you send your last kid off to go on a, like go on a trip or go on a vacation directly from there, like don't go, go directly home to an empty house where all of a sudden you don't have any kids. And I thought, so I've already planted the seed to my husband. I'm like, when we get our youngest off, we're going somewhere. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just, just to that emptiness. Yeah. And I guess I think my only other advice is to like, remember and embrace the time you do get with your kids when they're home from school breaks. I know that their first thing is like, I want to see my friends. I want to see my friends, but like make sure you are assertive to them and let them know that like you have missed them and you do want them to fit some time in for family. Yeah. I think a lot of parents feel guilty asking their kids to like balance their time. Um, 
and I don't want that for any of you, you know, I want you to be able to embrace that time because it's so special and it's so valuable. And as they graduate and things like that, those are the moments they're actually going to miss. That's great advice. And it kind of reminds me of what you were talking about at the beginning of what are your expectations and maybe setting Mm -hmm. that too. like, I'm so glad you're coming home for the first time. Can we have dinner? Yeah. Every night and before you go out with your friends or something like yeah. that. That's a real, that's really good advice. Yeah. Cause setting expectations that what you guys expect as well is very important for them to know and understand. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. I feel like this has been just as applicable as it can be and grace giving <laughs> as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. I have a couple other questions that um, that I ask all my guests. So one is I am fascinated by tattoos. I don't have any, but I have found that often when people decide to get permanent body art, they typically have a story or a meaning behind it. Sometimes it's craziness, but <laughs> oftentimes it's something meaningful. So I was wondering if you had any tattoos um, if if you do, would you mind sharing what it is and the meaning behind it? And if you don't, if you had to get one, what would it be and where would it go? Yeah, so I have five tattoos. Um, I have a cross. I have a cross on my ring finger, um, and I got that before I got married. So that's really important to me because I feel like, um, you know, my husband and I both feel like God is at the center of our marriage and always will be and always has been even in when we were dating um i have a ladybug for my aunt who i was talking to about um earlier in this podcast i have a starfish that all of my sisters and i have gotten and then i think probably one of my most meaningful tattoos is on my foot um and it says guard your heart for everything you do flows from it which is actually from proverbs it's Proverbs 4.23. I love that, which is obviously a, a good meaning or a meaningful Bible verse for you as well. I, that's something I typically ask my guests. So, so you killed two birds with one stone. Pro, pro, yes. And that is, um, that is so important for us. Wow. Well, thank you. Um, thank you so much for your time. This has been eye opening. Like I said, I could just feel my shoulders just relaxing a little bit and, uh, just thank you for helping my community walk through this season of life and the transitions. And what I love too is even if they are not sending a kid off right now, they will be. And a lot of the things that you talked about, we can start putting into practice now to have a successful launch and to help um, to help keep our kids, our children's mental health strong and positive and to have the resources when, um, you know, when things go awry, cause they will and, and talking yeah. about that. So thank you so much for your time, Alyssa. I just, I'm so grateful Absolutely. for it. Absolutely. I'm so happy to have been here. Do you feel better? I do. <laughs> this process, oh man, it can just bring up so much anxiety for parents and children alike. But I hope this helps 
make you feel a little less anxious about it. Alyssa was such a wealth of knowledge. I'm so grateful for her sharing her expertise with us. If you have a friend or know someone who is in this season of life, please share this episode. Sharing over social media is not only helpful to others, but it's also valuable to the show as well. I always appreciate it when you do share. And don't forget to check out the goodies over at gracedhealth.com slash resources. Every episode, I try to give you one simple thing to remember because we have been given a lot of great information and I try and boil it down. So if there's nothing else you remember, it's this. We were all uniquely made and that also includes how we handle transitions. But regardless of how your child adapts to the world, meet them where they are, do what you can do, give yourself and them lots of grace and leave the rest up to God. I had a parent tell me once, I love my kid, but God loves them more. I have to trust him with my heart. And sometimes our heart is walking around as our children. Okay, that is all for today. Go out there and have a graced day. 